Welcome to Methods Unsound Presents Moving On, a five-part mini-series on the films we used to love that now make us cringe. My name is Christopher Ratcliffe, one of the founders and writers of Methods Unsound, an increasingly less dormant pop culture website that we're breathing into life for this period of extended quarantine. Joining me from the comfort of their own homes via the wonders of modern technology are four other members of the Methods Unsound team. Let me introduce them all to you one by one. Uh, first, we have Matt Owen. Matt, how are you? Um, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well too, thank you. Uh, you okay? Anything you sure? That, uh, you know, <laughs> I think under, <laughs> under you the You hesitated circum- there, and I worried that you know. I feel like we both hesitated. To be fair, <laughs> something <laughs> terrible has happened. <laughs> should we just should we just like can the podcast and just have an in depth um, chat about how we're coping <laughs> about about the sense of impending doom. <laughs> Number one, I mean, I know that you've watched Robot Jocks in the last seven days. I have, so. and it was amazing. <laughs> so you're you're living your best life, so that's good. Uh, is there anything else that you can recommend uh, for our listeners? Uh, uh, my wife has been binging um, Harlots recently, and uh, I've been catching like various parts of it, and it's quite good fun. It's um, you know, uh, go get them two-fisted 17th century prostitutes in London. Uh, and it's full of rumpy-pumpy and gorgeous costume design. So, uh, yeah, give it a go, you know, if you like rumpy-pumpy or costume. <laughs> I, I, Matt, one of my very favourite things about you is how uh, you sort of sound like a seaside postcard from the 1970s when you describe anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that also seems to be primarily your what you watch. <laughs> I am watching. I am reading Biggins magazine as we speak. So you know, just to... <laughs> oh, oh, bless you, Catherine. How are you doing? Hi, hi. I'm well, thanks. Doing cool. good. Uh, I, I mean, I want to ask well, you, but like you will get asked every time you have to introduce someone, but. Hopefully. Yeah, I have to change my answer every single time, <laughs> and it's always going to be the same. Yeah, all right, you know. Uh, um, can you recommend us anything uh, that you've been watching this week? I really, honestly, back deep in comforting watching this week, I haven't watched anything new. The only new thing I've been watching is the man. Who's is the guy? Yeah, from that was scribbling. Yeah, scribbling the, from the song Stan in the background. <laughs> I think that was me. There's like a little bit of um, like sauce or something stuck on my laptop next to the trackpad, and it's. I think I was trying to pick it off. Oh, <laughs> Catherine's talking. I'll take this resonant. opportunity to clean the ketchup off my laptop. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't think it would be overheard, but clearly. Get a it was. table Sorry. tray, Matt. Don't use a laptop. <laughs> Honestly, it sounded exactly like. Um, that Stan song by Eminem with the guy in the background writing the letters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so be- between us, Catherine and I are clearly, clearly better at hip hop than Eminem. Be, right? We are. What we've decided. Quite there. the pair. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. I've never. <laughs> uh, Okay, so what have you been comfort watching, Catherine? Oh, no, uh, yeah, we've just been abusing our Disney Plus subscription, re-watching some Marvel films, and I have started The Mandalorian, but I realise I'm quite far behind on that, so I won't bother giving any opinions, as I've only watched two episodes, but good, good so far. Yeah, yeah, adored it, and have just watched two episodes, so don't worry, you're probably not that far behind. Cool. Uh, Joe Kim, uh hello, how are you? Hello, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Pretty good. Uh, is there anything you've been enjoying uh, in the since we last spoke? Um, so I took a recommendation from a fellow panellist on this podcast, which was Catherine a couple of weeks ago, talked about Be All Good, uh, which is a channel for um, yes. comedy drama. And I watched it all over the weekend, and it is fantastic. Really yes. Really, sure. really into it. it. It probably made me cry laugh at one point, which is... Um... Yeah, there was there was like there was lots of tears and lots of laughing as well. Yeah. It was great. Thoroughly recommend that. Oh, awesome. And finally we have Ted Wilkes. Hello, I'm well. Um I've 
<laughs> I've been watching um, Birds of Prey and the Harley, the, emancip- the fabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn, or Harley Quinn, the fabulous emancipation of her and Birds of Prey. Good, I wouldn't have known what now. you were talking mm-hmm. about. <laughs> uh and yeah that's that's all right it's it's fun obviously watching it in comparison with this week's film that we've been uh tasked with with viewing (laughs) and how dc have kind of evolved um and i i I kind of watched it as well because i'm interested in MacGuffins at the moment and there's there's a there's a scene where where they realize that you don't care about the MacGuffin enough in this film so they get someone to swallow it and then that immediately makes you care about it um but on the other end of things as well, I've been watching Gangs of London. I don't know if anyone's seen that. No, I've seen a lot oh, of trailers no. for it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 all, it's all over the gaff. It's uh, Gareth Evans. He did the raid, um, yeah. the, the the kung fu movie where yeah, where they got the the tower. Yeah, and the action scenes are amazing. That I mean, the 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 story is a bit, but he really makes up for it in the action sequences. <laughs> In this mini podcast series, which we've subtitled Moving On, the team will take it in turns to pick a film they used to love for a brief period of time, but they've now grown out of. The other guests will then pick an element of the film they find interesting, shameful or weird, and basically make the person who picked the film hate themselves for bringing it to everyone's attention again. Then at the end, we'll try to pick one thing each that we like about the film, and we'll rate it out of 10, and definitively conclude whether there's anything redeemable in there, or rather, it should follow the career path of Chris O'Donnell, who shone so brightly <laughs> for sh- such a short space of time. But when you tell people he's now the star of NCIS spin-off, they can only reply, really? Chris O'Donnell? Wait, which one is Chris O'Donnell? And hang on, what is NCIS? <laughs> this week, it's Catherine's turn to pick the film. Catherine, would you like to introduce your film and explain why you liked it at the time and why you two have gone through a conscious uncoupling? All right, so I chose um, 1995's Batman Forever, third major Batman film in the series of that time. Um, Lost out on a Saturn Award for Best Fancy Film to Babe, so that kind of puts in perspective where we land with this film. Um, And I guess my only real excuse for loving this film was I was eight years old when it came out, and it was really fun and uh, full of Batman-y stuff that I loved, and it was really felt really comic book-y, um, but now I realise it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just end there, yeah? <laughs> next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> I did actually, uh, I took some notes when I was watching it, and I was just reading back of them, and... Uh, the notes go well i'll just give you like the first half page of notes which is first line sandwiches uh neon landscape dialogue terrible best batmobile grappling hook lol bat belt what is tommy lee jones doing that's the first half page of notes i have so yeah yeah all right let's start with the batmobile (laughs) (laughs) i thought it was awful i thought that's the worst batmobile (laughs) yeah Ever since I was a kid, this was my favourite Batmobile. And I, I kind of stand by it. I do still like it. But do you not think it happen? looks a bit like a shoe? <laughs> no, I love it. I, I, I stand by it. Uh, I love it. I think it's really kitschy and stupid. And I was just going to say before you carry on, Christopher, and tell me your opinion. No, 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 please. That one of the interesting facts I read was that um, H.R. Geiger actually designed the Batmobile for this movie originally, but they decided it was like too scary and weird looking for the fun of family, fun audience that they were going for for this film, so that's why they reverted back to It's still pretty out there though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I do, I, I think I wrote a similar note and I said, uh, well not a similar note, but one of my first notes is about the Batmobile and I went, I hate it. I think it's so <laughs> overly designed, but I will say I prefer it to the one in the Christopher Nolan's film, which is just boring and looks like a weaponized fucking shoebox. It's awful. Yeah. The whole thing of Batman is he's supposed to like, you know, incite this fear of, you know, really theatrical thing. And he should have a really hmm. stupid, cool Batmobile, which he does. So shut up all. But you can all tell me. Did you look, did you find a picture of H.R. Giga's design for it? Yes, I did. Um Was it a giant penis? It's <laughs> It looks kind of crabby, is how I would describe it, or okay. kind of um, sea animal-y, maybe squiddy even. 
Good old it's HR a... Giga sticking to the <laughs> sticking to the yeah. remit. It's a bat. It's a flying it's bat. A Having a look, it's got like two two yeah. front parts, hasn't it? Like double, double penis. Double penis. Double penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of right, fitting for, for Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to go it's with like... his his twin nipples in this one. Yeah. <laughs> but singular butt cheek. Yeah. <laughs> 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 one meat and two veg. <laughs> or no, maybe the other one way. One veg and two meat. Like, yeah. one... <laughs> I'd actually... Wow, someone someone built one out of Lego. Um, I was actually I was really saddened because I watched the first ten minutes and I remembered the, the butt bit and I was like, that bit's so stupid, I'm sure it's from Batman and Robin because it looks so stupid and it doesn't come up in the first few minutes when you see the bat suit and I was like yes I was right this really stupid flashing of a jiggling butt is not in the movie I love and then it's right there at the end and it was in this movie and I was so sad about it I also did a similar thing where I thought the costume didn't get nipples until Batman and Robin but I was wrong no they're there in (laughs) Batman Forever (laughs) Batman Forever takes full credit for that terrible um, costume choice um, all right. Well, now that we've thoroughly discussed the Batmobile, <laughs> we move on to the Batboat. Is it, is it, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I don't think I saw the Batboat, but I did see the Batwing in there. What? The Batboat's in there for what about fifteen yeah. seconds or something, and then yeah, it gets blown like, up. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's quite a big scene. It's like you know, some of the terrible dialogue is really brought to light by that bit where they're like by air or by sea. They have to get out to the holy rusty metal. Island, don't they, at the end, and they take the bat boat. So we can, maybe if anyone has anything to pick about uh, the design, that'd be quite a good place to start. Because there's some bits of it that I still quite like, like um, the funeral scene with, like, where he's, where he's sort of remembering stuff and, and the, the, the bat coming through and the pages running. I'm like, it looks quite comic book booky, and I know what I liked at the time, but then I look at, like, the fucking TV top thing. Like, who designed that? why yeah literally it was like they were sitting in their kitchen and they saw a food processor and was like it happened what if it had wings and was green <laughs> oh my <laughs> wife came in and said is that a blender yeah that's exactly <laughs> what she said. and just some of it's really bad i was reading you know kind of reading up on it and i read that like joel schumacher took some notes from um uh there's an art a batman a famous batman artist called dick sprang who was mm, one yeah. of the classic artists and it's like if you if you go and have a look at his his artwork you can you can definitely see the influence it's quite it's quite pantomime in the way that sort of dick tracy villains are um mm. so overly designed and yeah you can kind of with but also with like sharp spiky edges and things and you can yeah, kind yeah. of you can definitely see it but the production design's like amazing but I think the production design and the art direction is the is the saving grace of it. Absolutely, yeah. like I like the boldness, I like the colours, I like how like the neon, how extravagant stuff. it looks. Yeah, yeah. I, like I think that's, that's what I cool. remember liking and still like now. I think the major letdown for the look of it is just that it's coming that time when like CGI was just starting to be used, which makes it look a lot worse in some ways than like the model work you had on Batman and Batman mm. Returns. But I, I still I still like the like the silly look, like yeah, the bold look to it. I think it, it stands. I mean, I think what's inter- interesting as, as well is that it's kind of like we, even with the harsh contrast lighting, like it's it's trying super hard to be this noir, mm. this this kind of like superhero noir film. And I, I think you can kind of see the influence that Nolan takes where he takes it a lot darker in the end. But this, this is still kind of clinging on to the fun, campy Batman mm. that used to be. And it's, it's yet to fully embrace the, the, the darkness of Batman. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's if if this is so black and white, but like each each sort of. Uh, version of Batman that's coming on in the last sort of what thirty years has been a you know a contrast on the previous one. Like these mm. are so much more out there and garish than the Keaton ones, and then the Christopher Nolan ones are like a, definitely a reaction away mm. from the Schumacher ones. And um, yeah, yeah, like design wise, I feel like it's a it's a transition film because like Schumacher's definitely come in and said, right, I mean, you know, they've the film company has said we need to sell more lunch boxes yeah. so we need a kids film <laughs> yeah. but he he's he hasn't just 
gone he could have easily just gone right i'm just going to go back to 60s batman camp pal you know kind of wallop kind of stuff but he's kind of decided to like transition from tim burton's mm. one right by adding more color and neon rather than just going forget it let's do something else you know he holds on to a lot of the looks doesn't he of like the city and the iron wrought gates and like stuff like that that's all sort of straight out of the burton vision but like you say then it's sort of like a weird at first i was like it's a transition it's a middle ground between like the camp and the whatever but then it sort of swings back the other way doesn't it with nolan i think i was uh, and i think you're absolutely right and that's because burton still has a hand in it and he was attached to it so until quite late but like i think i i was looking forward to this one more so than any of the others that we've covered i thought that oh you know what i definitely hated it at the time and when i watched it in the cinema it was such a disappointment but I did think that, well, okay, the time's passed and I'm, you know, maybe it's quite a nice, fun, so bad it's good, like camp classic. Mm. But it just, it's just not, it's just really yeah. boring. I was so bored during a lot of it. And that was really disappointing. And I guess, I mean, I'll put my hand up and say, I haven't seen Batman and Robin because this was so bad. It's a shame that you haven't seen it, actually, because I think it would make Batman Forever look really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> that's the... Yeah, I get I think I get I've been impression. saying that as a line to friends for 20 years, which is like, it's not as bad as Batman and Robin. It's like, it's only, it's only time. Is that the one with Schwarzenegger in it? Yeah, there's yeah. like every yeah. other yeah. sentence yeah. is a pun, and Schwarzenegger is yeah. basically the star. And Nice to see you. I mean, it's funny, Clooney isn't it? Because is one of my questions was, is this the time when they started having two Vinny villains? Because one of the major problems mm. with this, I think, is that you do definitely don't need the Riddler and Two-Face. And I actually quite enjoy watching Jim Carrey just probably be the only person that's having any fun on this movie and just being yeah. Jim Carrey. And, but, and, then, and I hated, like, the Tommy Lee Jones aspect of it. But then it, it keeps getting more... That, that, that does seem to be a theme in Batman. Too many villains, basically. <laughs> But Batman. There's a challenge. Kill the bat! Sounds like a good idea. But have you thought it through? A few bullets, a quick splash of blood, and then what? Wet hands. Post homicidal depression. Why not humiliate him first? Expose his frailties. And then when he is at his weakest. Crush him! I see that sparkle in your left eye. I can help you get Batman. There's a whole se- the whole sort of story, isn't there, that, you know, Tommy Lee Jones hated Jim Carrey and was quite yeah. rude to him. And, <laughs> and maybe it's just because, like, Tommy Lee Jones is, like, chewing scenery. Yeah. But... Not as much as Jim Carrey is and can't quite compete and got really angry about it. Yeah. I mean, Jim Carrey does seem like the kind of person, if you're acting next to him, you'd want to pummel him to death, doesn't he? <laughs> Especially if you're Tom Lee Jones and you're a serious, well respected yeah, actor, and yeah. then you're being acted out yeah. of the fucking film by Jim Carrey, who at the time was sort of like, well, he'd done like two or three really massive money making comedies, and then like, yeah, he's obviously the golden boy. And there he is just having to play second fiddle. And you can see that in his performance. He's so seething, having to like really overact <laughs> through he's, he's all the, of his stuff. Yeah, one of the worst bits in it, I think. I really didn't enjoy watching He really is, in, yeah. In retrospect. Whereas I didn't mind watching Jim Carrey do Riddler, Riddler Easter. I was about to say, if, we, if we're talking about bad performances, front and centre, Val Kilmer. I mean, now come on. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I mean, does he emote at any point in this film? Or is it... yeah, There's something oddly, right? Okay, so going into this, if you were to, I, I think I said this to Catherine already, like if you were to ask me to name all of the Batman actors, I guarantee I would have forgotten to put Val Kilmer. I completely forgot he was in there. And actually, yeah, he's dreadful. But also there is something, something oddly likable. Yeah, I, and I like can't it. put my finger on what it is. I I found him a lot less annoying than Nicole Kidman, who I I really and I think coming oh. off the back of like the two other incredible women in Batman films pre pre just like previous to this, yeah. And then you just get saddled with this like wet blanket of Nicole Kidman. It, not I mean normally I like Nicole Kidman. I just 
than this, whether it was what she was given. I mean, the dialogue's not there's, great. But... There's a definite kind of, like, you know, along with the, the tonal shift, obviously, but, you know, after Batman, like in Batman Returns, there's kind of, Batman is realising that he's a, a, a nut job as well, <laughs> along yeah. with all the yeah. villains. Right? Yeah. And then they've, they've, like, clearly gone, well, actually, let's, like, move away from that and have a hero and villains but then also in order to do they were also kind of thinking oh but actually batman's supposed to be troubled you know or so we'll try to give him some a lightweight kid friendly psychotic disorder <laughs> like you know <laughs> and so like nicole kidman's characters like you know this oh i'm a I'm the world's leading psychologist and <laughs> I've come he's up with wacko. this sort of... Yeah, he's a wacko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I feel so bad for, like... Everyone just seems really uncomfortable or awkward or just angry to be there. And, like, Nicole Kidman must be like, what am I doing in this? Because yeah, yeah. she's, like... Her only character trait is that she's got a boner for Batman and that's it. And, like, she also has come off the back of, like, Dead Calm and also the same year did To Die For. And she's genuinely really good roles it's the car right chicks love the car <laughs> what is it about the wrong kind of man in grade school it was guys with earrings college motorcycles leather jackets now oh black rubber try firemen less to take off I don't mind the work. Pity I can't see behind the mask. We all wear masks. My life's an open book. You read? I don't blend in at a family picnic. Like, on the cusp of, like, hugeness. And just to be given this is just so sad. Who got a, a yeah. shock, said. shock seeing uh, Drew Barrymore pop out of, the, uh, pop out of nowhere? Oh, yeah. What, is, yeah. What, what is Drew Barrymore doing in this film? Because... <laughs> I found it really funny. <laughs> the Spice, her opposite number is, she was in Empire Records, right? So that's... that's Debbie Mazar. Yeah. Debbie, and then, so, you know, known, but not like a big star. <laughs> but Drew Barrymore's like a major leaguer at this point. It's just like, yeah, I'd love to dress up in my underwear and faff about, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, did anyone have uh, fun watching it? I did. It's all relative, isn't it? Because, like, compared to some of the other films we've watched recently, I'd say, yeah, lots of fun. But, um, <laughs> it was, it was really, I already said it, it was so boring. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting to kind of, like, compare it to the, the superhero films of now because the stakes just seem so low. Like, um, Jim Carrey is infecting our brains with radio waves so that he can take them over. And then at one point, um, I think Tommy Lee Jones brings, like, TNT to the circus. And I just think, oh, come on, up your game, fellas. You know, Thanos is destroying half the planet. <laughs> yeah, but no, but <laughs> I think that's one of the things, that, not that particularly this film, but, like, that's where, where it's actually quite fun, because it's just, like... Uh, save this person or that person, save a family, make the stakes quite identifiable. Whereas, like, how many blue lights, like, bursting into the sky have you seen in Marvel? And you think, oh, this again. Like, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> it's, I, I just, because I remember in the, opening, in the opening sequence, I just found it very quaint that Batman would take all this time to save a security guard. And I was like, I was, was like, oh, that's nice. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he wasn't very grateful, was he? <laughs> um <laughs> It's very cartoon show, isn't it? That whole, that whole beginning bit is very much like Super Friends. Comic book, kind of, some might say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like one of those cartoon books you used to read. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say, you know, like yeah, like comic book versions, are, especially at that time, are telling like quite dark, morally ambivalent, quite advanced storytelling. Mid nineties would have been. Mm. I'm just trying to think what the Justice League was like then. Probably... Well, that was, and I mean, I know when they when they set out for this film originally, they wanted to make it. Well, it, year one was the the title they wanted, but the studio mm. were like, "No, we want a fan. We don't want a prequel. We want a sequel," and um, which is a, a terrible idea. Um, and obviously, yeah, it massively suffers from just 
studio interference where they're like you say we want to sell lunchbox and batmobiles and um we don't really want them looking like two penises so let's, let's make it let's make it really I, different i did look it up and there were 40 different batman figures produced the <laughs> see i found that baffling when i was a kid and i would go into a shop and i'd be like hang on why can i why can i buy this bright orange batman uh who's like in scuba gear who isn't in the film and yet i just can't get classic black batman yeah <laughs> i think uh also like from from what i've read uh the studio warner brothers were obviously were horrified by batman returns and the fact oh, really? that it's just quite a macabre. Oh, Batman Returns violent, is a masterpiece. I love it. It's so good. But it's really grotesque and violent yeah, and very like violent. very, very yeah, it's what a Tim Burton. There was film. a bit of a Happy Meals controversy as well, wasn't there, around it? Because there were McDonald's Happy Meals and then basically that would encourage kids to see the movie and then their parents would be like, You've taken me to see You've you've McDonald's has encouraged me to take my eight year old to see Michelle Pfeiffer in a <laughs> dominatrix suit blowing people up, basically. And, uh, Danny DeVito spewing black <laughs> vomit out of his mouth, biting someone's nose off. Yeah, so good. Oh, it's good. But that's the thing. Like this original source material, I was thinking about. Like, I'm, I'm not a huge comic book fan, but like when back in when I was a relatively small kid, like graphic novels of Batman was the thing that I read quite a lot and the best ones are the darkest ones I would always thought I was like drawn to those so when Batman and Batman Returns came out I was like this is great this is exactly what, what I wanted and what I envisaged it to be and then suddenly Batman Forever came out it's like mm, no this is this like the source material that was any good was not like this at all yeah yeah the sad thing is is that it was like financially about as successful as the previous two so there was absolutely no reason for the studio to be like let's go back to these uh, mm. cutting dark tim burton visions weirdly it maybe it's affected tim burton's legacy <laughs> a bit all the like the way i view tim burton's work because i feel like you know since the first two batman films are yeah like undoubtedly artistically visionary in many ways <laughs> and then he's kind of become known for a very specific kind of gothic cartoony visual style since you know when you get to like Alice in Wonderland and things and I feel like in my brain this kind of melds into it and makes me think less of Tim Burton weirdly <laughs> even though it's not his fault <laughs> I don't know though. There's, there's plenty of crap Tim Burton about though isn't there like <laughs> like Alice yeah. Wonderland, top of the list. Like, if you're gonna think poorly of Bruce, of him, then Bruce, Tim, then yeah. But yeah, Tim, Tim Burton, Tim Burton is collateral damage for uh, Batman Forever. <laughs> um, who in this film believes that Chris O'Donnell needs to be adopted? The man is like 40 years old. I, when he rocks up and he's like, oh, you've got to take him in. I'm like, no, you don't. He owns a flat. He's got a fucking mortgage. Like, let him get on with it. Like, middle manager of a sporting goods shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just when, when that conversation started happening, I was like, this is actually quite creepy. Like, why would he want to live here? I mean, I know why he'd want to live there because, you know, he's living with a millionaire, but it, it just seemed all a bit weird. And but, he's um, persuaded by a cheeseburger to stay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, he's actually, he's actually being driven by like a fifteen-year-old boy. He's he's just like a shell suit of a man. <laughs> I don't even know how old they're trying to play him off. There's one bit where he goes like Dick Grayson, college student, is trying to convince him not to be Robin, which is trying to tell us that they're trying to convince you he's what nineteen, twenty. I mean, there's no chance. Yeah. The the only comparison to this is bloody. Dawson's Creek. And, uh... So one of the things I was going to ask you about, which I've realised is much more terrible than I remember, um, and there's a lot of terrible things about this film, is um, the soundtrack, which apparently sold nearly as many copies as Prince's soundtrack for... Uh... Is this... Are you talking Kiss from a Rose-style yeah. soundtrack, or are you talking... Boing, those kind of... Th oh my God. <laughs> the oh orchestral my God. score, which is springs being thrown out of windows as far as I can work out. 
on the one hand, you've got you two and Seal and uh, all this. And then on the other hand, you've got like some of the worst. I would say that just as a spoiler for the redeemable features, one of my only redeemable features is Seal Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> I think it's, it's legacy is, is is that it gave the world that song. But yeah, no, the soundtrack was massive. Like it's just saying, like they released this soundtrack, which has actually got loads of great people on it, but none of it was in the mm. film. Which no, I, I know it's it's in the air, era of like soundtracks where all the music was like inspired by uh, right, you know yeah. not. I'm just looking it up, and there's like, yeah, Mazzy Stars on here, Flaming Lips, Nick Cave. There is a light. Mm. (laughs) It's got some. And then you've got Massive Attack, and you know, it's it's not bad. I mean, I mean, Riddler's listening to Flaming Lips, which is Brandy shorthand for shorthand for weirdy. I did wonder if back in the day of like these Batman. Batman Forever type films, instead of getting like a sneak peek of your next Marvel film, you just got 10 really good songs, but no one listened to the, uh, yeah. the whole credit, so no one ever heard. Uh, no, it was a definitely, it was a, it was a cultural thing. Like it was, the soundtrack was like up there with maybe not, you know, Pretty Woman or uh, uh, Dirty Dancing, but like it was a really massive selling one, and I remember it was all over MTV and MTV Two, which was right when we were watching, spending all day watching MTV. So yeah, those songs are just drilled into our brains. You know, that's probably one of my favorite U two songs, which is, you know, it's the also the only U two song I like, perhaps. But yeah. do you want to talk about how your relationship with Batman has <laughs> as a superhero as perhaps? progressed and developed because i i i personally think that and this is interesting because when joe mentioned about how excited he was about batman uh batman returns i was the same and the disappointment by batman forever was the same and it's interesting that since that point i think i've gradually and especially through the christopher nolan films realized that i've totally grown out of batman and i just yeah. don't find him interesting at all as a superhero and i think i'm find him very one note but maybe that's unfair and maybe that's that's you know maybe maybe i'm missing something i think i think i think that's really fair and i i definitely used to love him and have sort of grown out of the sort of broody kind of thing i probably loved when i was a teenager but like like you say the one note the dead parents and all of that kind of stuff it's not that interesting anymore um but i do think the one thing that they tried to bring in I feel like they tried to bring in a little bit with Batfleck was the detective side of it, which is part of the stuff mm. that I used to like where, you know, I was listening to some people talk about Batman the other day on a podcast and they were like, what's his special power? And then, you know, the joke is his special power is he's really fucking rich. But like my, my always think of him has been, he's, he's supposed to be like the world's best detective and, and maybe going back to that would be a little bit more interesting than like, he just likes to smash people. Uh, but yeah, I was, really would be. Yeah. Well, I was talking at home the other day and, that was one of the you things. You don't fucking say. No. <laughs> Sorry. I was talking to my partner at home the other day, and um, that was one of the things that came out. I was sort of saying a little while ago, just saying, well, you know, he's the world's greatest detective. And people are like, I, that seems to totally get forgotten. Mm. But And actually, like the best written, the best regarded Batman comic books are the ones where he is the world's greatest detective. Yeah. Um, but the most fun ones are when he's in space with the Justice League. <laughs> so, <laughs> so take your pick, you know. <laughs> That's just like uh, Friday the 13th franchise. <laughs> I'm wondering if Joel, Joel Schumacher kind of preempted something that like, the Batman films seem to be up against now. So like Tim Burton films laid the groundwork for Chris Nolan in a way, the way I see it. It's like, getting incredibly serious and getting darker and darker. And it's a bit like Joel Schumacher looked at the, the first two Batman films that came out and went, yeah, but the essence of Batman was that it's a, a man in a mask and it looks a bit silly, so let's roll mm. with that a bit more and go back to the kind of camp TV show stuff. And I just feel like I, that's how I feel about it now in a way. It's like, love the Christopher Nolan films to a point, yeah. but there's nothing more to say about it. It's still a slightly preposterous concept. And we've <laughs> gone over it a million times. I just wondered maybe Joel Schumacher was ahead of his time. I do think there is a, there is a place there for a camp Batman. And uh, what the animated show does quite well, which obviously can do because it's 
a cartoon is be a little bit silly and, and very overly dramatic and stuff, but still have like great themes and stuff like that. Um, and this obviously didn't have any of the great writing or themes to back it up. But I quite, I still personally quite enjoy like the, the campiness mixed with the broody darkness. Although talking about a man and a cow looking really silly, the bit where Nicole Kidman's like, I've, I've found a man and, and it, he realizes that she loves Bruce and not Batman and oh, turns yeah. around and he smiles to the camera. And I think they were like, uh, the mask makes it really hard to tell if you're smiling, so you really need your. <laughs> and he looks psychotic. I swear to God. So... Emote Val, emote. It's not like a little eye twinkly half smile. He's like, oh god. Catherine, you're giving Val Kilmer a lot of credit there that it wasn't him <laughs> just smiling for the first time ever. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um... I mean, I personally have run out of energy for, for any more Batman of the same variety that we've seen for the last 15 years. So, just while we're talking about different versions of Batman and different, um, you know, Val Kilmer's terrible smile, um, did anyone do their homework? I'm not going to ask everyone to rank Definitely. Every, every single one, top to bottom, but if anyone has an opinion no. of, of best and worst... Um, I'll yeah. kick off, but I think Kevin Conroy tops both lists, um, and George Clooney no. bottoms both lists. lists. You and might then, have to explain who Kevin Conroy is. That's oh, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, the voice actor of the Batman animated season series and several of the games. I think can anyone confirm or deny that? Yeah, I I think that's right. Yeah, um, and probably to be fair the animated season series is the best version of Batman, not just the actor, but all round. But anyway, mm. um, so the list, uh, what, what I asked everyone to do was just tell me what their sort of ranking of actors playing Bruce Wayne and actors playing Batman separately and see where they, how they felt about them in all the Batmans oh. we've seen. Christopher, you fancy chiming in? You know what? I didn't separate my list. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot no, okay. that you asked that. Yeah, yeah, I apologise. I I do. I I've just lumped them all together. That's fine. Um, I have eight Batmen. <laughs> um, well, my least favourite. <laughs> well, uh, my least favourite is Ben Affleck because I just just can't bear him. Uh, then Val Kilmer. Uh, and then I put George Clooney at number six because although oh, I haven't seen him play Batman, seen I just I just like him more. Seems alright, doesn't he? Seems like a nice yeah, guy. He's a nice guy. He's a prankster, isn't he? He you loves playing practical jokes. The unfair thing about Batman, <laughs> he's a cheeky scam. <laughs> if you ever do come to watch it, is that you clearly should be a perfect Bruce Wayne at minimum. Based on the fact that he sort of is Bruce Wayne, you know, he's rich playboy type, and it's just shit. I mean, the film shit, so it's probably not his fault. But anyway, carry on, continue. He, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, then Christian Bale, eh, he's right in the middle of the list. I'm not bothered either way. Then Adam West, <laughs> then <laughs> oh, Kevin yes. Conroy, and then at number two, I have my, you know, hey, everyone's everyone's got their era of uh, uh, of uh, James Bond and. I guess my era of Batman is Michael Keaton, naturally. That's the one I grew up with. And then number one is Will Arnett. Yes! The Lego Batman, who I think, the reason why I chose him is because he's the perfect, perfect distillation of Batman. He's a narcissistic bro douchebag with too much money. (laughs) That's my list. Anyone else? Um, I'd say for... Bruce Wayne, I'm going to say Keaton. And the only reason I'm saying that is because there's a scene in the first Batman movie where they're in Vicky Vale's apartment and the Joker bursts in and with the tea tray when he shoots him. And if you go and watch that scene, uh, Keaton's body language, the way he moves is like a, like a super alert kind of like a bird or a cat or something like listening for danger or even like (laughs) a bat kind of twitching his head. And, and it kind of makes you realize that, you know, like he really plays up the Bruce Wayne is the mask Mm. aspect and Batman's the, he's always Batman and he puts on Bruce Wayne. 
And I think nice. he does a super cool acting <laughs> there. That's a re- yeah, that is a really good scene actually. Yeah. Um Yeah, Batman. Batman it's Will Arnett all the way as well, obviously. <laughs> I mean <laughs> he's just <laughs> Ted, you got any feelings on the matter? For, for, for me, the, the ultimate Batman is is Adam West. I mean, he even says it in an episode of Family Guy or something, you know, he was all West. He didn't have anything on under that suit. That was just all him, you know. And and I, I, I've got a lot of respect for a man, you know, everyone else pumping themselves full of steroids or using the, the, the suit to kind of book themselves up. No, West just had, you know, some grey stockings and, you know, they turned that camera sideways. And um, for my Bruce Wayne, it was uh, Will Arnett as well, because I, I feel that um, in the Lego Batman, when he's he's got this, this the I've forgotten the name of the, the song, but he has this, this, where he talks about all his Dark inner Earth. demons and such. Dark yeah, and, and I, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I just, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, but I mean, we're, we're yet to see what Patterson is going to do with it. Mm-hmm. I feel I, that he could. I love Robert Pattinson, I think. I I hope that he'll actually get to it. I quite liked Affleck as uh, Bruce. Not as Batman, but I quite liked him as Bruce. But that's just me. Um, Joe, any feelings? <laughs> um, I think Michael Keaton is definitely best Bruce Wayne. Uh, I, I quite like Christian Bale. Nice. Yeah. As Batman. Ooh. Which is controversial. I also quite like the conversation of like actors that have been linked as to Batman roles over the years. Like, I'm, not that I'm reading Wikipedia as we speak, of course. But, um, <laughs> How would we know? Some of the names that have been linked to the role, like... Liberace? Yeah. <laughs> He's up there. <laughs> really? No. So just like the idea of Daniel Day-Lewis as Batman. Oh, or, God, like, can you imagine? <laughs> or, or Johnny Depp was apparently linked to it for Batman. Oh, for, really? Oh, uh, it's like, yeah. whoa. I could see William Baldwin was a choice for this, for Batman Forever, wouldn't he? Before, before they He's chose the second worst Baldwin. Yeah, but, but... <laughs> which one's he in? Yeah. Uh, he's in that weird movie with the woman who was the daughter I'll in the Cosby Show, where they're searching no, for really... water in the desert or something, and it's the future. <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> uh, what kind of fever dream is this? <laughs> he's in. Oh, he's in Backdraft. <laughs> oh yes. No, that's. That's Stephen Baldwin, isn't it? Nah, not according to Wikipedia, but I'm definitely not uh, on. Oh, great. Who was in, he was in Flatliners, so maybe that's the Schumacher co- yes. connection. Yes, William Baldwin is in Flatliners, yes. Ethan Hawke, that's quite Stephen a Stephen good... Baldwin's in Mutual Suspects. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but hey, he was obviously offered the role like before Val Kilmer got it. He turned it down. Oh, the Batman that could have been. Realised by me that I like Ben Affleck. I've circled back to my previous admitting of my secret lust for Ben Affleck from previous podcasts, and I feel doubly embarrassed. My first secret thing is uh, the last 10 minutes of the Riddler's costuming is amazing. I'm in love with it all. Um, I really want his, like, spangly silver watch, <laughs> like for one suit that he was wearing. It's amazing. What and, about his uh, haircut? <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah. that's probably basically why I look like this far into lockdown now. That haircut. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? Like people give Christian Bale like a lot of props for his, you know, weight gain and loss and physicality for certain roles, right? But no one, no one ever says like, you imagine the diet Jim Carrey was on to get into that leotard <laughs> at the end of this movie, <laughs> and the smoking jacket as well, like the. Well, not smoking. Yeah. Oh, solid gold. Um, and uh, just sort of award for worst scene in any film ever is uh, Chris O'Donnell hanging his washing out. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> what? Because that is the only real display of like his possible being a superhero prowess. Other, other than when he discovers the Batcave, which I think they could have just left that scene in and lost the uh, the laundry scene. And I read, I read through twenty or thirty cut scenes from this film that they cut, and they did yeah. not cut Chris O'Donnell's that's... ninja laundry scene, which is. Do <laughs> you think there's anyone that saw that film in much the same way that when Pitch Perfect came out, everyone like saw? Uh, oh my God, uh, uh, Anna the Kendrick. Cops. Anna Kendrick, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And it just became like the biggest sort of meme ever and everyone decided to copy it. Do you think anyone saw Chris O'Donnell drying his laundry in that way and thought, oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to spend some time trying to do that. (laughs) Not only is it like a terrible scene and really stupid and pointless and ridiculous and unnecessary, but he hasn't even done a good job of hanging his laundry up. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's dry already. (laughs) It's like crumpled up. Why is he hanging the laundry for start? I mean, he, like he—he's a guest in a billionaire's mansion. Like, what is <laughs> he's he doing? doing his own laundry. Do you know what would be? Do you know what would be really wonderful is if, for the rest of the film, all of the clothes he wore was sort of like half wrinkled and then half damp. <laughs> it did make me think that, like, fucking Alfred gets like a tough gig, man, because there aren't any other people helping out in that house. There's no cooks, there's no laundry people, there's no one. He's doing absolutely every single fucking job. Where's the bat staff? Yeah, exactly. Where's Just the, the, the vacuuming alone <laughs> must take hours a day. Imagine <laughs> dusting all those chandeliers. Jesus. <laughs> and then, once you've done a full day's cleaning, you're like, oh, I forgot the fucking cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entire underground lair that I haven't even swept. You go down there, you're like, you haven't swept down there for ages. This place is full of bats, honestly. It's full of guano! (laughs) Uh, Does anyone have any any other things they want to share with me about this uh, no, I've got just again st- a, a, just a couple of stray thoughts. Uh, the 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 screwball dialogue that's trying desperately to be clever and quick and witty just is just full of things like uh, when Val Kilmer says to Nicole Kidman, "You're naive but insightful," which is just <laughs> the stupidest fucking line anyone's ever delivered. I was really shocked uh, when uh, Jim Carrey's like spank me and I was like fucking hell like they really oh, yeah. work hard to make this like a kids film and then just shut up <laughs> um, other than that uh, oh I was quite <laughs> I quite liked I like this in films when they show sort of news footage or CCTV footage uh, which they haven't bothered to make look like that and they've just used like proper filmed footage so yeah. there's the bit it's like CNN footage of the courtroom when Two-Face gets scarred and it's just like this really horrible gory like scene where he turns to the camera uh, uh, in a perfectly kind of Dutch angled shot and blood pours yeah. through the folder and that's just on primetime CNN oh, that was ridiculous <laughs> and my other least favourite thing about it is the the, <laughs> the post-production added like mugging and gurning noises that Two faces making just the sort of really comic book, like it's just vile. Um, but yeah, I think that's it from me. Anyone else? Did uh, in in um in uh Nicole Kidman's office when uh Valkyrie was looking at the the picture frame of the Rorschach blot, that's so obviously a bat. Like when he's like, Oh, it's a bat, she's like, No, it's no, it's not. I'm like, Yes, yes, it fucking is. (laughs) Like, that is a bat. I watched this film. Three or four times in preparation, and that Rorschach block is definitely a large pair of breasts <laughs> with spiders crawling all over them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was that was just my observation. <laughs> uh, Anyone else? I would just say I don't really understand how or why Joel Schumacher came up with this because <laughs> he did Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, right? And But either side of that, he did Falling Down and 8mm. Mm. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, and his other stuff's like, I mean, he did like The Lost Boys didn't he, back in the day, but you know, it's like Tigerland and um, uh, what's phone booth with where, yeah. <laughs> where he gets right, so it's right, quite yeah. sort of yeah. taut you know short scene thrillers or kind of you know commentaries on the futility of violence and all this kind of stuff and it's like he's quite a he's a versatile uh, director well he's recently his films tend to be reasonably dark and and adult in the most mainstream 
<laughs> possible yeah. way. Um, and then halfway through, he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll just come up with these like crazy camp, ridiculous Batman movies that, <laughs> you know, it's like... I won't bother directing them properly. I'll just scream through a <laughs> megaphone, it's a comic, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It does, it does, does just reek of like uh, studio interference. I think a lot of it you can lay at that door. I think they cut a lot of the uh, the more grown up violent stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that I, I so recently, whether I'm just getting really old or not, um, but I have a habit now of watching almost everything with the subtitles on because <laughs> I can't hear what anyone's saying at any point. And uh, same. Yeah, the bit where um, Drew Barrymore and uh, Spice, I can't remember the name are like offering two face these two different meals and she's like all oh, this like champagne and blah 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 the subtitles on and realize that she offers him the spice offers him raw donkey oh. raw donkey what? yeah with, uh, with a glass noticed. of engine oil or something. Yeah, i've never noticed before i was like what? how did that slip in there like, what the fuck? yeah anyway because that's what bad people like to eat <laughs> they like to eat bad things that are inedible <laughs> Oh god, Joe, have you got anything you'd like to add? Are we doing um, redeeming features separately? Or? We can, we can, that we can, we now roll into redeemable features if you'd like to start. Uh, oh god, it's. Uh, I don't want to start. I quite like the uh, the Warner Brothers logo morphing into the bat logo at the beginning. I think that's the first time it appears. I don't think that appears nice. in the other films. Nice. That's cool. Yep. Um, what else? Marketing. Uh, the Riddler's riddles are riddly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Could you say that again? <laughs> like three <laughs> times as fast as you I can. Listen very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that, I mean, there's oh, no. I'm sorry. There's there's not much else really. Is That's fine. That's two things. Yeah. Mm. That's double. <laughs> three, three small things, but yeah, I like it. <laughs> Ted. Um, I do like uh, Joel Schumacher's use of the... I mean, he overuses it, but he knows how to formulate a Dutch tilt. I think that it's some, when he's composing them, it, they're, 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 they're quite nice. They are... Yeah. They um, and, and I feel that, you know, the whole kind of feeling and the disjointedness of that with the harsh lighting and stuff, they, it, he, he, you know, he's got a style and, and I, I got behind it eventually. I'll put it that way. <laughs> you were convinced. Joel will be very pleased to hear that when he listens to this. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, Matt, <laughs> redeemable uh, feature. Um, it's <laughs> so like, the worst I could the worst I could say for this movie is like it's it's sort of boring and a bit meh, and then the which is high praise indeed compared to some of the other movies we've had. <laughs> like at least it's not like rampantly racist all the way through or something. Um, I was getting sexually abused in this film or uh, yeah. sexually assaulted. The best I could say for it is it looks expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it, I'm not sure it looks good exactly, but it looks like you can see the money and you can see the design work and that's great. There's a lot of stuff that went there's a lot of talented people working very hard in here, but that's sort of like the kind of compliment a disappointed mum would make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, you look like you spent a lot of money on that. The, the set designers look like they're working for Hasbro rather than from, rather than Warner Bros. So you know, it's yeah. It, I mean, it looks great. Is a bit shit. Let's be honest. But but then again, I've watched a lot of totally shit movies in my life, and this isn't the shittest. The, the art the art department had to work very hard because everyone is at the is at the scenery buffet in this thing. You know, Jim Carrey gets there first, chews down most of it, and then you know everyone else has to join in. <laughs> so they've got to keep got to keep making like, yeah. more and more scenery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Catherine, what's your favourite thing about the film? Um. Oh, that's that's, that's that's actually quite a lot of things. I can't. I don't know if I know my favourite thing, but I do. I do enjoy the look of it. I think it's got a nice mix of dark Batman and camp Batman, which I think is what I kind of how I re- fondly remember it. Are those much worse than I remember? But that that's the fondness that's still there that I remember of it. And I kind of enjoy the weird homoerotic um, rubber suits everywhere. I think it's really sort of, <laughs> it takes the piss out of Batman in the right way. I hope that's what they were going for, as opposed to just coming up with. Really bad, uh, 
and shots. But yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think it it can be fun or it should be fun. It isn't as fun as I remember, but that's moments. I feel like we've 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 definitely talked more positively about this one than we have other ones, and like a lot of yeah, a lot of the things we've mentioned are genuine genuine high points, like Jim Carrey being just great Jim Carrey and the art direction and the soundtrack and uh, 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 my favourite bit and this is a Val Kilmer moment <laughs> and it's when uh, is, is it the film Top are, Secret? It's the, <laughs> no, it's the film <laughs> Ghost in the Darkness yeah. uh, it's the bit where they're in the, in the uh, circus tent and Tommy Lee Jones says he'll blow up Two Face says he'll blow up the circus, and um, if uh, I don't know, find out who Batman is, and Val Kilmer very nobly stands up and screams, "I'm Batman! I'm Batman! I'm Batman!" Just without even a thought, mm. you know, it's really selfless. And although he's drowned out by everyone, he—that's his first, you know, instinct—is just to save those people, even though it means revealing his identity. And actually, that was just a really nice, kind of sweet, touching, mm. noble moment. I think the um, we didn't talk about it at all actually the whole circus bit. I, I still like that bit as a as a set piece wise. I think it's the high point of the film. Definitely. Yeah, it's like it's, as a what's the word backstory and stuff. I mean, shame about it being. But one of the best things about that circus scene is you can barely hear Chris O'Donnell talk throughout the entire thing. So he comes across really really well. There's um. <laughs> That's a every Batman actor gets a bit where they get to say, I'm Batman. And that's like how they define the character, isn't it? It's like, uh, mm. you, you know, um, in the original Batman film, in the 89 Batman film, you know, he kind of says it at the beginning on the rooftop and then Bale sort of yells it through a distorted megaphone at someone. And I feel like, you know, that's Val Kilmer's moment and it's overshadowed by the crowd. And <laughs> That's a, yeah, that's, that, that's a good metaphor that is isn't it <laughs> okay seeing as uh most of our spare time is spent doing uh quizzes via zoom hey let's do a quiz via zoom um i'm gonna ask three questions related to batman forever uh or the batman franchise as a whole um and what i'd like you to do is uh whoever says their name first can get a chance to answer the uh, answer the question and if they get it right they uh, get a free can of bat shark repellent Whee. so the first question is which two characters in batman forever are the only two characters to be played by the same actor in the first two tim burton films so that, that would be uh, alfred then michael goff yep and, and... Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. Ah, oh, yeah. You, Matt, and Catherine get to share one whole can of bat shot. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Shot. Second. <laughs> well, only half of them. Uh, what's the highest-grossing Batman film of all time? To Batman yeah. Forever. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Is the Dark Knight. No, I think it's the. Oh, yeah. Nope, it's not the Dark Knight. The last then rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. $1.08 billion. Really? Which yeah. is impressive. Like, like one of the few sort of franchises where they just kept making money after, you know, the, the box office got bigger and bigger. Batman Begins only made $374 million. Um, <laughs> what did Batman make? Uh... Batman, the original, I can tell you. In just one click of this Wikipedia link, I've got here. You mean the 1989 one? Yeah, it was all merchandise, uh, though, right? Those T-shirts were everywhere. Yeah, lunch boxing is a term, a movie-making term now that we should use. <laughs> <laughs> so the original Batman 1989 made 411 million and was the highest-grossing film oh. of the initial four. Filmed. In fact, they just kept losing money. Uh, Batman 411, Batman Forever 336. Batman Returns actually made less than Batman Forever, and then Batman <laughs> and Robin made the least, uh, 238. Oh, wow. Sorry, just a bonus one. Do you know how much J- Joker made at the box office? 14 quid. Yeah, <laughs> $1.074 billion. Wow. Yeah. That's 
quite extraordinary. Um, anyway, sorry, I'm dragging this on uh, needlessly. Final question. Harvey Dent, or Two-Face, as he's uh, known in Batman Forever, was originally played by who in the previous two Batman films? Oh, uh, Matt, Lando Calrissian. No. Billy no. Uh, Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoever, who's whoever, who said Billy D. Williams? Oh, me. No, you can't. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Joe, I did. <laughs> so you get your very own kind of bat shot from that. Yes. Shot. And that carries. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I know. I want the actor. <laughs> cruelly, cruelly uh, 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 cast out of the role by Tommy Lee Jones, who did a much worse job in it than. Oh, actually, but Billy D. Williams did get to reprise the role in uh, the Lego Batman movies. That's nice. Mm. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, right, let's uh, roll into Mark's set of 10. Um, let's start with Matt. What are you going to give it out of 10? I'm going to give it an an exact 5 because it's an it's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's not offensively terrible. It look it has its <laughs> As an exercise in filmmaking, <laughs> it's competent. Again, it's like my mum is giving me compliments about something. She's in, uh, well, your mum's pretty tough. <laughs> like, no, no wonder you well, turned out the way you did. <laughs> you haven't seen the Batman film I made. <laughs> yeah. um, it's no, it's not. It's not awful. It's not offensive, or it's just a bit. You know, it's an extended ad for toys and games it hasn't got any heft and emotional but no one was using any it, sony so veo not, um not like the transformers phones or yeah. laptops like they are in loads of the market uh, yeah i'm no i'm neither positive or negative about it i think five out of ten is <laughs> fine joe <laughs> uh, marks out of ten please oh um, sort of thinking along the same lines, I might push it up to a six. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a six because I think that's what I gave a previous film on this series, which feels about right about how, in terms of how I enjoyed it and how I rate it as a, uh, yeah, as a cinematic experience. Six out of ten. Very good. Ted? Uh, I think I'm going to agree with Joe and give it a six because I, I remember I gave Pirates a six as well, mm. and I think I enjoyed I enjoyed this film as much as that. It's because this was oh, half the event. Uh, no, I'm trying to think now. So it's really difficult because this is this whole exercise we end up benchmarking these films against one yeah. another. <laughs> when like there is no way I would give Batman Forever a six because that's too high a score, but also. I gave Pirates of the Caribbean five. And did I enjoy this more than Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't think I did. Oh. Uh, but which one would I rather sit through again? Probably this one again, because Pirates of the Caribbean is interminable. So I'm going to give it a six too. Catherine, um, out of ten. Yeah, I agree. I mean, considering the fact that it's about an hour shorter than Pirates of the Caribbean, it already deserves another point. So... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to give it a little bit more than everyone else because I feel like I enjoyed it more than everyone else purely on um, nostalgia. But I don't think I can, in good conscience, give Batman Forever a 7 out of 10. So I think it's a 6 from me too. Wow, that's incredible. Right, now let me just use my uh, uh, brain... Uh, inverted commas uh, to uh, uh, work this out the average yeah. oh look at that we have a new leader on the board <laughs> Batman Forever has an average score of 5.8 which is 0.2 more than Pirates of the Caribbean the previous best film, the best film us as a group has watched. And isn't it? Is it still a billion points more than Morats? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A billion and five point eight points more than Morats. So it's looking pretty good, guys. Uh, finally, the only uh, uh, item on the agenda left uh, is to reveal who will be picking the next film that we're watching and what that film will be. Joachim, it's your turn. Hello. So, 
The film I have chosen is from 1986. Uh, I think it's in the era that we've inevitably focused on because we were children in the 80s, apart from Catherine, probably. Were you a child in the 80s, Catherine? Uh, I mean, I was bored? alive in the 80s. <laughs> oh, OK, fine. Um, I, 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 was, I, wasn't, I wasn't born yet. I oh, watching, yeah, oh, Ted. I watching any films, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what's quite interesting about the 80s is that at best it's a period of... Uh, where Hollywood is particularly was culturally insensitive and at worst was just deeply culturally offensive. Yeah. And this film that I've chosen, I think it's going to explore that in great detail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. This film going back to the dark side. Shit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The tagline of the film is "Life is not a malfunction," which makes it sound a bit like a pro-life. Um, yes. uh, but uh, and it's also got a link to quite a strong link to a film that we've also already reviewed on this series, which stars um, Steve Gutenberg. Um, it is Short Circuit. Ooh, oh yes, Johnny Five is alive and will continue to <laughs> haunt our lives next week on the podcast. Uh, that made no sense whatsoever. It sort of had the cadence of like a, a an outro, but it didn't really have it at all. So you know what? When we re-record the ends of all of these episodes, <laughs> inevitably I'll just do it again. For that. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, thank you to everyone out there for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, I've been Christopher Ratcliffe. Thank you so much to Joachim Farncom, to Ted Wilkes, to Matt Owen, and of course to Catherine Thompson for bringing Batman Forever back into our lives. We will see you next time on Methods Unsound Presents. Moving on.